Okay, here, so here's my story. I get up 5.10 the other morning. I'm up here in Alaska, Sheep Creek Lodge. I'm downstairs in my little room. Put on the TV about 6, I don't know, it was about 6 o'clock, I think it was. And I have a vanity right under the TV, just slightly off to the left, all right? And then there's my deodorant on the right side of the sink, and I have a black spray bottle on the left side of the sink. As I'm watching the news in the morning and everybody's complaining about Trump or something, I don't know what the hell the problem is, but I'm watching the news, all of a sudden I see the deodorant tip over and then the black bottle tips over right after it. The two of them fall over together. So I go up, I tell Molly, and she tells me there's a ghost here named Norbert. And Norbert knocked my shit over. Norbert is whack. Norbert's the, the, whack. The following morning, I, I wasn't skeptical because, you know, Frank's seen Bigfoot, you know, he's, he's got all kinds right. of alien uh, abduction, you know, anal anal fantasy type things yeah. going on. And, and basically, so the next morning, uh, well, my girlfriend comes up to see me. She brings my dogs. And my dog just, 6.15, 6.30, just stands up and barks. One loud bark right at the vanity. Not pointed at the door where somebody would be moving Your around outside. Yeah, my vanity. Not pointed at the door where somebody would be moving around outside. But right at my vanity. So Norbert is real. Yeah, man. It's verified here. So we're here in the haunted Sheep Creek Lodge. It's a good time. Classes are going well. We just started our last class of this cycle. We still have July, September to go. But this was our last class. Uh, it, today is Saturday and Sunday with Jim's class. And those guys he posted on Facebook was awesome. But then we had the pilot class. Monday, Tuesday. Those guys were beyond kick-ass, right? For some reason, my store is Pilot Central. You know, I've got a lot of pilot buddies, uh, UPS, FedEx, Atlas, uh, all, all the above. And uh, for some reason, my store is Pilot Central. And, and basically, those guys all want into the precision rifle game. They come with good equipment. They come wanting skill level um, above what they got. And, and we get some fantastic shooters as a result. Yeah, we, we really good stuff. We take everybody out here to a thousand yards. We, we we changed the program a little bit from last year. I reduced the PowerPoint by a lot of slides. We get them on the hundred yard line a little quicker. We spend more time at a hundred yards with them, tweaking them. We're wrenching on rifles. We're pulling everything apart. We're changing everything about them. Even today in this Napa class with the hunter class guys, a lot of hunters here, you know, uh, and and we're changing their stuff to fit them better. And it's paying huge dividends. I mean, the before and afters are just amazing. It's 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 about an equal split: hunter gear, hunter rifles, and uh, and precision rifles, lower end precision rifles. But that makes the class challenging to teach, Frank, because because then we have to cater on the same line to two different classes of, of shooter. Absolutely, we got guys with you know put nicely put together RPRs. And stuff like that. That's the, the budget rifle uh, Mark's talking about. And then you got the guy with the straight up 3 to 9 Leopold 270 hunting rifle that we're working with. And we're maintaining pace with each guy. So it, it's, it's working out good, the program that we have put together. So I want to go over a couple of the lessons learned from the last two classes. Because I think we saw some really good stuff. These guys are different than the lower 48 people, and they're not so software dominant. They're not so PRS game-wise dominant. They just want to be really good shooters because they're going out and taking game and animal, and but they want to be you know excellent precision rifle shooters. 
And so uh, we're learning quite a bit from them that we can apply to everybody. And so uh, what's your take on either the first class or the second class? Uh, big lessons learned. Big lessons learned. Um, all the shooters we've had so far this cycle, uh, most of the shooters have been excellent to above above average to excellent. They make our life easy. As I've, as I've said in a couple of the classes at the closing statements, I feel like I got my money's worth. And what I mean by that is I know the student got his money's worth because they all got much greater. But I feel it wasn't such a challenge to teach these classes to these people because they were very receptive for, for the Kool-Aid they're drinking. And, and they were coming along at a really rapid pace that allowed us to move uh, through the program with at a, at a really steady pace. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, one of the things, man, uh, the, the biggest struggle, and, and we mentioned this a little bit, but I, I want to bring this up again, man. The biggest struggle is the choice in bipod. The, 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 the lower end Harris non-swivels and the knockoff Caldwells and those kind of bipods are really a hindrance to your accuracy. And we put the proof in the pudding. And Mark will tell you about one of the guys he worked with and what we did on the last day of the class with him. And, and it was it was amazing just to see night and day with this. So tell him the story. Guy on my side of the line, he's shooting about an inch and a half group, very centered over the target. And so I get down to judge his fundamentals and, and work with him on his fundamentals. He's doing everything right. He's a big fella. He's got control of the rifle. Rifle's not getting away with him. He was shooting a Creedmoor, and he had about an inch and a half group. So we decided it's either the ammunition or whatnot. And I thought, you know what? He's struggling with this bipod. It was a Harris or a knockoff, and it was very loose. He's always correcting after the shot, getting away from the recoil correction. And so what I did, I, I said, you've got a rail on this thing. Favor me. Take that bipod off. Let me put my bipod on your rifle and let's see if it makes a marked difference. Something that we can see, something that's tangible, something we can see. I put him in a five round group and he immediately shrank his group by half. It went from a minute and a half to a 0.75 group. Just in like in one sitting, just changing the bipod alone cut his group in half. I mean, that says a lot. We don't have the problems with the guys who use the bipods that you recommend. They come in Mark's store. Hey, I want to take the class. I want to get a precision rifle. What do I buy? Mark lays out a package for them. You're going to buy this rifle, this scope, and this bipod. He usually pushes them in the RPR direction. He upgrades them to Seekins rails. He does something, you know, it just depends. He puts a Night Force SHV on them. Uh, that one's been really dependable for us in class. No drama, no issues with them. And um, then... Uh, he gets them with the Elite Iron Revolution bipod. Yes, it's expensive, but they don't can't. They don't have issues with recoil management. We can get them up higher because way too many people are too low in their position. I can't, I can't bury these guys immediately in ten thousand dollars worth of purchases. Okay, so you know I don't, uh, I don't have Ruger stock, but I believe in the Ruger Precision Rifle as an entry level rifle that produces results. So the package I build, I don't try to go overboard with a college scope or a Schmidt and Bender on a Ruger Precision Rifle. I try to tailor it so that it's something very appropriate to the rifle, but will still provide the precision that they need. That's why the SHV. Then if this guy wants to swap it off onto his hunting rifle, it's just a change. It's just a simple change. That's why the SHV. Yeah. And it's only $1,250. Right, and right. They're very easy. They're sitting on everybody's shelf. 
especially Mile High. I could always get one in, in ship tomorrow for Mile High. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're, what I'm, I think we're going to end up doing for our classes is we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to talk to Mike and those guys. Like, I haven't talked to him. Uh, congrats to Mike. I think he won the 22 match at NOCO. They had a little side bet where those guys were shooting some 22 variant. Uh, Mike and Adam uh, 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 shared a Valkyrie. Uh, I think Adam has the Valkyrie very similar to mine. And um, I guess Mike Mike took top shooter again. Mike's been hammering that match, man. He's got it down to a science. But I'm also going to make him, br- uh, I'm going to bring up pod locks. I'm going to make, we, we so we stock pod locks in the Wiggy van so we can put pod locks on the guys with the Harris who can't tighten them up for fifteen bucks. Yeah, it's fifteen bucks for a pod lock. Fifteen fifteen dollars to shrink your to shrink your group by at least a quarter. Yeah, because it, these bipods are just way too loose. They 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 can't tighten them up. You got to put channel locks on them to get them anywhere near tight. You got to put a by a, a a pod lock on a Harris. There's just no way around it. It needs that level of control to it. And then um, you were talking though. Because we only had a couple guys, but 9 to 13, so that they get off their belly for height-wise. Right. Uh, we talked about that the other day. Yeah. Not, not too low on the bipod. I always I don't require anything, but I suggest highly a 9 to 13 if you're going to come. Uh, in the Elite Iron, I usually put them in the longer legs in case they want to use them for other applications. The The shorter legs are fine, but, but you know. Well, look at, look at the pilot Mark. Mark was struggling. Red face, the whole thing. We picked him up at the end of the class. We worked with him a lot, man. We were going back and forth, back and forth. And he had a, a 300 win mag. It was a Tika. It should have shot better. But he was losing it on the recoil. It was moving around. And then finally somebody said, hey, I got a different set of bipod. And it was a Harris, but taller ones. We cranked them up off his belly like that. And he immediately felt more comfortable. Settled in and relaxed. Yeah, he was much more relaxed. And, and, you know, it really makes a difference to get these guys off the ground. I've said it many times, there is no lower than prone, but you have to get to a certain comfort level, and there's no reason that you're a bigger guy with a 6 to 9 that's down on the lowest setting. You know, you got to get up off your belly to get more comfortable. You shouldn't be laying over so your, your head and neck wants to be flat. So you, they're laying on the rifle, like you said. Yep. Um, it's an option, but it's just not a. It, it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't it, look good. And they help shoot good. And they can't stay down there yeah. long. I think a lot you of know? P, a lot of PRS shooters, like some of the ones we see up here, they're seeing so much time on tripods that they don't focus anymore on precision in the prone. Right, right. They're just going on the barricades and the tripods. They know they have key stages that they can clean up on, and almost all of them are alternate position. And when they are doing prone, it's in and out. Their, so, ver- their butt pads are not even vertical adjustable anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, because you were seeing the, uh, a guy dropped off an MPA chassis up here to one of the ROs we have, and it's his PRS gun. He, he moved up here from the lower 48. So the guys were saying up here, because they don't shoot any kind of the PRS type stuff, they find those chassis uncomfortable because they can't raise the butt up and get it in their shoulder pocket correctly. They're keeping it down low because they're PRS guys, and most of their shots are off their belly. Correct. So that that's that's a big one um, that, that's going on there, but uh, definitely. No, man, I think, I think that prone and spending that extra time at 100 and setting up the rifle for the prone properly, because that's what we're shooting here. I mean, I do a tripod demo, but at the same time, 
these guys want to learn and, and get those marksmanship skills. So what did we spend today on the guys at 100 yards? It was a two and a half hours. It was at least two, two and a half hours. Uh, we went in, we did their, we did their initial eval of fundamentals, and it was a soup sandwich. That's oh exactly God. what I told them. I said, you guys look like a sandwich made of soup. And, and, that, and then I'm, I'm smiling while I'm saying this. This is not meant to break them down. But then you, you laugh and you joke, and you say, hey, you, there's going to be a lot of learning here today. We go back to the classroom. Frank hits them with the PowerPoint, which is excellent. Um, we, we breeze through that sort of because we're, we're tailoring this class to them. We didn't get, we didn't bog down in between slides in the minutia that we normally, uh, let guys, let guys have and they enjoy it. They're, they're not but, into like software and right, the things here. They right. don't, software doesn't work for them the same way. It's cold here. They're not carrying their shit. They're right. out in the woods. So they don't care. They want a hard card with their data on it and they'll worry about software later. Right. So then we go out to the to the 100-yard range, and we get down and, and show them exactly what we want. And then they, all they did was monkey see, monkey do. They, yeah. just, they just did exactly what we wanted, and all the groups got small really quickly, even the hunting rifles. The hunting rifles are thinner barreled, so we only let them shoot three rounds at a pop because they're going to heat up and start Yeah, going, big going. time. You know, it'll kill a guy's confidence when, he, when he's shooting a group one, you know, shooting uh, really nicely one time. Then you put him in five rounds, and now he's heating up. He, he starts exploding. We, we, we really limit with those guys with those big magnums, with those pencil-thin barrels. We're not nuking their barrels on yeah. them. But, guys, it goes back to the basics. You know, if you can't shoot the prone in a proper prone, utilizing the fundamentals with precision, then what are you doing in the PRS? You know, I mean, really, I mean, if you can't time after time produce a three-quarter MOA group, um, then you got no business shooting minute of steel. Uh, yeah, you're gonna get lucky and you're gonna win. You get mm -hmm. a top ten. You get a top fifty. What? But but basically, um, you got to get back to the basics and hammer the basics home. And and here's the thing: it's these guys aren't buying success. They're not. We're seeing this success. We're seeing sub minute groups out of hunting like really low end hunting rifles that have been in these guys' families for years. So it's not like a guy builds a brand new rig and six dasher and comes to this class. I mean, look at um, look at Hollywood. Hollywood would have RPR. He just got it. He, he got it Friday, and he's shooting three eighths minute out of this thing every single time. Yeah, he yeah, was three eighths. Yeah. He was the Monday Tuesday course. He got it Friday. Worked up a load over the weekend. Came here, and his first group and every group was a, was a really three eighths really or better. Color, absolutely, every single yeah. time this guy was, and he was a sponge. He took it up. He he listened to instructions. He was curious. He asked questions. He and and you know what the smartest thing he did? We don't push these guys on the line. We don't rush them, okay? Because we got time. We we, we the programs put together. Even it though it never it's a gets short, dark, Frank. It's right. six o'clock all day but long. It, it, and yep. it'll be six o'clock when we leave. Yep. When we come out of the bar tonight at three in the morning, it'll still be six, six o'clock. Yeah. Exactly. But he would get off the line. Let everybody on either side of him with the muzzle brakes shoot. And then he would get on the line and then shoot his group, and he, it, it showed. It was it was all that stuff. And then he was hammering down those fundamentals. He was making sure that trigger press was right. He was getting that part down. And then when we do the PR2s and the demos and the stuff on the tripods, these guys will be that much better because it's something we can work with. They got follow-through now. They got a 90-degree trigger finger. They're consistent. They're doing all these things right from the prone 
and as they move forward, they're a much better shot for we had, it. We had a female student come into the course, had never shot a precision rifle before. She won it in a raffle. She won it in a raffle not a long time ago. She, she brought a, a substandard scope. So what we did was we traded her out with one of Frank's scopes that we keep for the course just for when a rifle goes down. We traded her out. She bought a bipod from me. And we keep talking about these bipods. But I'm telling you, it will improve your shooting. Mm-hmm. And she never struggled. So she never knew better than a great bipod. So she never knew the struggle. Basically, to convince her the struggle is real, she, she doesn't mm-hmm. understand that because this is the only bipod she's ever shot. Anyway, she hammered everything. She was on my side of the line most of the day, and she shot everything in first or second round hits and was just ecstatic when she left the board. The, 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 the seeing one guy can't versus these guys not canting and having problems because they can lock that revolution down so tight it doesn't move. We, they, they, they run it a little bit loose at first, and then they'll just have somebody or one of us or them reach up and, and just lock it down once they get it in position. And we don't see the canting issues. We're, you know, you're chasing somebody. Hey, man, you're canting. You're pushing it over. Why does that happen? The bipod's too loose, you know? And, and that just is not a case with I me. don't like a loose steering wheel in my vehicles, Frank. No, no. I don't, I don't fall off, man. Yeah, fall Fuck that loose steering wheel shit. And then we just, every night has been a party. What, oh, my God. What about, what was it? Um, what night? Tuesday? It was the, it was the, the app. On day one, when, when all these guys get just their initial hits on steel, we only take them out the... Three, four, and five hundred on day one. We saved the good stuff for the for day two. But once they start getting small groups and hits on steel, they come back to the lodge and we burn the place down, Frank. Oh my god. The other night when we had the uh, when we had the pilots, we had eight 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 uh, cargo pilots in here and they rang the bell twice, Frank. I was about ready to go to to, to the, my lodge room. And cuddle up with my girlfriend, and they rang the bell again, Frank. It was nuts, man. It, it was, it, and then the, the owner of the lodge comes and sits down with us, and she's drinking with us, yeah. and, and we close the place out. The next day, it's just fun. Oh, we, and then the jokes start flying because we're making fun of everybody, man. Yeah, and and yeah. it's it's loose, it's relaxed, it's it's back to that Marine Corps time, back to that. They're, they're they come into our world. We just recreate it from back in the day. Frank, we had a guy whose name is Beef. Beef. His name is Beef. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, beef. What about Butters? Butters. Butters. Yeah. He was he was he was a second lieutenant in Vietnam, older guy. And and as soon as he, he like I watch him during the eval, when he's done with the eval and he stands up, I'm like, your new name is Butters, dude. <laughs> For a couple of reasons. <laughs> South Park character. Yeah. He, he was a butter bar. He was a butter bar. No disrespect to the guy now. But but he he played, he he ran with that. He said, you can do whatever, you can call me whatever you want. Teach me how to shoot. He left a great shooter. And, and nobody leaves unhappy. Yeah. Nobody leaves unhappy, man. They're all happy. We're all buying drinks. We're all doing our thing. And, and, it, and it's just a, a, a good time. I mean, we got... <laughs> with the, with the one the, the magnums man the magnums are flinch factories so people w- will come get off the line and they'll hit the thousand yard that that little ten inch slinger or whatever it is at a thousand yards and they're amazed and they're like oh my god this is so great and you guys teached us to hit this thousand yards and did that and I'll and I'll turn around and go well if you need a lesson on flinching just see this guy over yeah, here because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I slipped I talked to guy this morning into slipping one in I said here let me load you up one more I mean it was obvious to me and Frank I was gonna give him a dummy. And basically, I loaded him up one more, and he just came apart at the, at the trigger it, press. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> we had a guy flip, because um, we don't say who, but one guy during the fundamental eval had a safety on the Ruger. 
and he flinched on the trigger safety because yes. he was pressing the trigger safety, but the regular the trigger <laughs> wouldn't move because it was locked. And he was flinching on the safety on the Ruger. And we were just cracking up laughing. We're like, dude, you flinched on safe. But guess what? After day one. He, dude, he put a, him in one light, hole. Yep, he's a, he's a one hole guy now, man. He's a lights out shooter. He, he had a quarter minute group with his RPR. Yeah. Cool, man. We're going to wrap this up because we're going upstairs to eat. We just got back from the range and we set up a little gallery for these guys between 500 and 300 yards because of the hunting rifles and stuff in this class. So we're going to do a little little carnival gallery stuff with them. We'll take the guys who can go out to 1,000, out to 1,000. If one of the hunting rifles wants to try it, I have a tree that I can hold 80 feet in the air, and we'll drop them in. We've done it with the 270s before, and we'll get them a big smack on a four-foot plate at 1,000 just because to say they can. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're ready to go upstairs, go get some uh, dinner, um, you know, tell some stories and, and get some feedback from the guys. But uh, thanks for listening. This is Everyday Sniper. This is Frank from Sniper's Hide. Mark Taylor. Frank's from Platoon Sergeant. Wiggy, Alaska. We're going to get a beer. We're going to get a beer or a bullet. 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 Or you've been doing Tito lately, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, Tito's clean. Is Very it? clean. Yeah. I never wake up with a headache. I might be just a little bit tired, but uh, Tito's clean. I've been sleeping good, man, other than the ghost thing the other morning. I, uh, I've i been sleeping pretty good here. It's uh, a friendly ghost, though, Frank. It is a friendly ghost. If it were a female-friendly ghost, it would be even better. Easier to I deal pretend with. it's a female-friendly yeah, ghost when nobody's it. around. Yeah. But well, you know, if, if Norbert ever gets a hold of you, you'll know whether it's male or female. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's Noreen. Yeah. I don't know. We, we, I haven't seen it, but it could be Noreen. All right, guys. This has been cool. Uh, give Mike a call over at Mile High. Tell them hi. We're going to be getting some podlocks from them guys. We got the AIs up here. Uh, got, mine, so- mine is shooting absolutely lights out. I took it. I did about three strings uh, at 100 to zero. It Get get the... The scope working with it. I'm shooting an SHV on an AI. Just temporary. It, it'll, it'll get a Collins or it'll get a Schmidt. But basically, shooting the lights out. I took it right from 100 to 800. Um, dialed on 6.1 because it's moving a little bit slow or slower than my what I'm accustomed to. I think it's just a break-in process. Took it to 6.1 at 800 and bang, right on the center line. Yeah, well, the DA here, it, it's it's down like it's like 300 feet in the morning. Today was a high of 1,200 feet yeah. for density altitude. So it's cold up here in Alaska. Oh, mosquitoes. Dude, man, I have to keep changing my pocket because the freaking mosquitoes are trying to carry me off. And this is one of the first time that we've been up here. We've had it this bad. Mosquitoes are bad this season. Maybe it's because of that construction. They fucking woke them all up or some shit. Yeah, I'm telling you. But it, it's it's still good. Frank, Frank beer. Bear. Tito's uh, bullet. Let's go. All right, man. We're out. Ciao, guys.